I said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Today we're joined by Leonora Cravota. Hello, Leonora. Good morning, Scott. Wow. So and we, Happy New Year. I don't think I've been on since the New Year. I think you have, actually. No, I haven't. You sure? I'm sure. Are you? You're positive. I'm positive. I was okay. here just before the New Year. Wow. Okay. Well, you know, um, we got a, off to a little bit of a late start today because we had some technical difficulties. It always happens every once in a while. It always happens one, every once in a while. It's not really uh, yeah. a, a good sentence, is it? No, it's not a good sentence. If it always happens once in a while... <laughs> I think everything happens once in a while. Everything right? happens once in a while, yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, you know, the <laughs> there's so much to talk about. And uh, I was thinking to myself, you know, uh, how much damage can a president do in three years? I mean, Joe Biden has got to be the worst president in the history of presidents. Yes. You got you got this new thing now. You got America and England uh bombing the Houthi rebels yep. in Yemen. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that as soon as we started relieving um relieving Iran of the sanctions you know, and uh, there's some good t- t- uh, di- uh, analysis on this, where uh, there is this uh, military guy, and we're going to play a clip from him. Tata is his last name. Anthony Tata. Yeah, and um, he uh, he basically stated, you know, that this stems back all the way to Jamal Khashoggi. And if you recall on the Scott Adams show, I've always made a big thing about Jamal Khashoggi because. See, I have this thing, you know, like how I get to my analysis sometimes is to watch the reaction of a certain, you know, certain set of people. And Lindsey Graham is one of those people that, you know, 
when you watch what he does, you could pretty much know that the truth is the opposite of what he's doing. So, like, he came out, guns a-blazing, upset as could be when Jamal Khashoggi, Khashoggi was all chopped up in Turkey at that uh, consulate. And uh, probably Solomon, the Solomon Kingdom, you know, uh, did, did did that, right? It was the MDS. But they, they probably were behind that. But... I have video of Jamal Khashoggi. There's a lot to the Khashoggi family. They're connected with the Maxwells, believe it or not. And they bought their boat from the Maxwells and the Khashoggi family. Khashoggi family is directly connected with the royal family. The Khashoggi's, uh, Dodi Fayad, remember Diana was sleeping around with uh, Dodi Fayad yeah. in France? Yes. And then she got um, into a car accident. And he died as well, so yes. Right, right. And, and that, their father owned Harrods? Uh, Harrods, yes. Muhammad? Yeah. yeah. Well, um, Fayad, yeah. Um, well, the Maxwells, Maxwell's a cousin of Dodi. Jamal Ka- Maxwell, Jamal Khashoggi. The Khashoggi's and the Max and the Khashoggi's and the Fayad's, Fayed, are connected. Believe it or not, though, Trump, when he was struggling in the 90s, sold his boat to the Maxwells. I think it was the Maxwells. And that's how he kind of got connected with the Maxwells. This is kind of interesting. There, there's this boat that changed hands from the uh, Khashoggi's to the Maxwells to the uh, Trump's. Believe it or not, <laughs> if you yeah. if you do it, just look it up. Look up the boat. But in any case, it's all connected. But Khashoggi was sitting down in the video as basically the secretary, uh, stenographer, note taker, advisor, whatever you want to call him, to the other billionaire in the Saudi Saudi Arabia called Bin Talal, who just so happens to be good friends with Barack Hussein. Obama, the former president and terrorist and uh, American sympathizer and American hater, uh, Big Mike and Barack Hussein. But in any case, they're connected. Apparently, the, the rumor is is that Bin Talal financed uh, the uh, financed the Harvard education over for 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 Barack, and so. You know, when you when you look at that whole circle of events and all all these things, you know, from the Cairo speech in two thousand eight to the Riyadh speech that Trump gave in two thousand, you know, when when he became president, his first foreign speech. I always say Barack Hussein's um, first foreign speech was in Cairo, apologizing for America, basically throwing America under the bus. And then Trump's speech, uh, first foreign policy speech, was in Riyadh. And what Trump was able to achieve was 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 unity and a normalcy of relations between Israel and this, the uh, Arab countries. And he pushed forward with the Arab Agreement, Arab Accord, I mean, Abraham Accord, the Abraham Accord. So when you take a look at what Obama did, Obama, you know, basically threw out Mubarak, 
for a Muslim Brotherhood guy named Morsi. And he was overthrown by al-Sisi and, and then Obama and Enderon uh, um, from Turkey uh, didn't acknowledge al-Sisi. But then they overthrew Gaddafi and they were trying to make way for this private industry uh, in the black markets for oil and, and uh, transport of chemical weapons and a whole bunch of other things. But they were giving, you know, the Obamas and the Bidens gave a lot of money to Iran. Iran was the sole benefit. They loved John Kerry. Zarif was their foreign policy guy. And he loved, and in fact, I think they were connected through marriage in some way. But um, through like one of the daughters married somebody or something like that. But there was something going on there. But... Whoops, sorry about that. We're we're having some technical difficulties, so bear with us. But um, in any case, here we are in the last 24 hours in another war, yet another war. And this is the same war that was creeping up when Obama was president. And he was withdrawing American uh, State Department officials and Marines had to leave their posts and leave the weapons behind. Again, it's exactly what Biden did in Kabul, leaving the weapons behind. Eighty-five, and in, in fact, in the town hall the other day, um, Trump talked about that. So, you know, the thing is, is that what's what's happening in the Middle East right now is stemming from our appeasement of Iran. To put it, in, to put it in a concise way, and. It wasn't just the $6 billion that we released and unfrozen, or it wasn't just the $150 billion that Obama unfroze and everybody, you know, the Democrats would say, well, it was really their money anyway. We were just sort of seasoning, seizing it. Well, then never, there was never a good time to unseize it. And as soon as you do, all hell breaks loose because the Iranians are just nut jobs. You know, I think they got their turbans wrapped on too tight. That's that's my opinion, anyway. All right, Leonora's Scott, you're at me. not really being politically correct now. <laughs> no, I think it is. I think it's it's affecting their brain cells. <laughs> but um, they got way too much money to play with, and it's when they when they were relieving those sanctions, when those sanctions were relieved, they 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 were given all this. They were allowed to spend all this money. And it was the sanctions against Jamal Khashoggi, uh, and they they also said, uh, well, no, it was in retaliation to Jamal Khashoggi that they unsanctioned the Houthi rebels, Biden did, in the very first year, and said they were no longer, should be sanctioned, they're no longer a terrorist group. Then he releases $6 billion recently, like last year, but then also relieve the sanctions and that amounted to hundreds of billions of dollars i've heard a number 300 billion so um i want you to hear this guy i think he gives good analysis on this and before we actually get there tulsi gabbard was on some tv shows and she was talking about this and she posted this on her ex account I'm starting to call it X now. 
instead of Twitter. I, I still have a problem with it because, you know, I like the other icon better. I like the pretty blue bird versus that dark black X. Yeah, I know. But I guess you have to get used to it. I know. It's a nice color teal, you know, but uh, or it wasn't quite teal. No, was it, was it was more of like a sky blue. Or if you like NASCAR, it's it was a r- petty blue. Yeah. Richard Petty Blue. And it was easy to say, I'm tweeting. Now what do you say? I'm Xing? I, I don't quite get it. I know. It doesn't sound right. <laughs> it doesn't work. It doesn't. It, it's not an integrated system. <clears throat> maybe maybe uh, Elon Musk was high on, on meth or something like maybe that when the, he did that. Maybe the X is... Because that's what they're accusing him of now. They're, they're all piling on Elon Musk because he supports free speech. Maybe the X is supposed to represent this sound in the name Musk. Yeah, okay. So the Biden-Harris, Toby writes this, Tulsi Gabbard writes this, the Biden-Harris administration is undermining our national security, placing us in a dangerous position. They removed the Houthis terrorist designation in 2021, funneled billions to, to, of dollars to Iran, whose funding proxy groups like the Houthis, and let thousands daily cross our border unvetted including terrorists. They are dangerously short-sighted, putting the American people and our troops at greater risk every day. Yeah. True. Is that true or false? That's true. Yes, putting at greater risk every day. Yeah. Yes. So let's take a listen to this um, opening analysis here. Um, again, the only show I watch on Fox is on Fox Business, and uh, it's Maria Bartiroma. So let's take a listen to this. The U.S. and the U.K. striking Iranian-backed Houthi militants in Yemen. 100 precision missiles striking 60 targets at 16 different locations. This, of course, in retaliation for 130 attacks on U.S. troops in the Red Sea since October 17th. President Biden, who has not been seen in public in three days, issued a statement last night saying these strikes are in direct response to unprecedented Houthi attacks against international maritime vessels in the Red Sea and have endangered U.S. personnel, civilian mariners, jeopardizing trade and threatening freedom of navigation. U.S. intelligence warning Hezbollah could attack America as tensions from its assault on Israel spill over. Joining me right now is retired Army Brigadier General, author of The Phalanx Code, General Anthony Tata is here. General, great to have you this morning. Thanks very much for being here. Your reaction to these strikes. Yeah, so, Maria, good morning. Uh, You know, I'm wondering who's in charge in the Pentagon and the White House, et cetera. You know, we've got a chain of command, a national command authority that's sort of AWOL. Uh, When you look at what's happened over the last couple of weeks, uh, uh, what are... uh, fighting men and women out at sea uh, and in the air, uh, who's providing policy oversight to them. Uh, and when you when you really look at this, this all uh, stems from when Blinken and Biden, back uh, a few weeks after they took office, uh, removed the Houthis from the specially designated terrorist watch list. And, the, you know, I, I assume... Uh, that it was a stick in the eye to Saudi Arabia, uh, because uh, if you remember back then, the Khashoggi thing was a big deal. And and uh, this was Blinken and Biden's way of saying, OK, MBS, you take this. We're going to remove the Houthis who have been shooting at you uh, from this uh, terrorist watch list. And and so this is, again, the exactly wrong instincts that this administration has 180 out from uh, America first, from putting American uh, men and women that are serving our country first. What they do is they 
cede uh, really authority to the UN that tells them, that asks them to remove the Houthis from the terrorist watch list. And it's just, it's really, really bad uh, to know that uh, my uh, brothers and sisters out there in uniform are, are, are led by these people that really have no concern from a policy standpoint what, uh, where, where all this is going. There's no vision. It's all reactionary. It's all proportional. What is proportional? We have a, we have a doctrine of overwhelming force. If you're going to lead with the chin of the American soldier, you better have overwhelming force. So all of this is just chaos, uh, and nobody's in charge, apparently. Well, we are understanding that Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin uh, gave the directive while in the hospital. Obviously, he is in the hospital still being treated uh, for prostate cancer and the fallout there. But, I mean, President Biden hasn't been seen in three days. Uh, Secretary Austin is in the hospital. And, of course, we've been dealing with these attacks on our troops since October 17th. Are you more worried about who's in charge or are you worried about the fact that we have not responded until now? It's been a few months and we've been attacked continuously. Our our troops have been in the Middle East. Yeah. Hey, Marie, I know Lloyd Austin and I pray for him and I hope he gets well uh, and that he beats the cancer. Uh, the the uh, his deputy couldn't be bothered to come in off vacation uh, when uh, she she learned that she had to assume his duties. His chief of staff was uh, was at home and sick and couldn't uh, be bothered to uh, notify anybody. So there's some arrogance here. There's some uh, dis, uh, you know, just disarray within the command and control, the National Command Authority. It's really, really scary. You can imagine that if President Trump was in charge you know how how the mainstream media would be would be treating this i I am very concerned about the lack of a vision the lack of a deterrence uh, against iran this is what happens when you appease iran remember jake sullivan said a few months ago right before october 7th that uh they published an article in foreign policy that or foreign affairs that uh iran was going to lead peace in the middle east and and we were right on the brink of peace in the middle east and uh, this administration could not be more wrong, and they're jeopardizing the safety of our men and women in uniform. Well, it's questionable as far as just, you know, where they're getting this information. I mean, why are they so intent on on, on partnering with Iran or, or doing business with Iran since this president came into the Oval Office? He's been trying to do a deal, uh, picking up where Obama left off in terms of doing a nuclear deal with the mm-hmm. Iranians. Meanwhile, you talk about the break in, in command Uh, The chain of command. Now, Democrats, some Democrats on Capitol Hill are upset that President Biden did not go to Congress to get approval before making these strikes. Ro Khanna said that the president needs to come before Congress before launching a strike, but received a community note on X stating the president can initiate limited military action if reported to Congress within 48 hours. Then there's Rashida Tlaib. She said that the president is violating Article 1 of the Constitution with these airstrikes. Back in January of 2020, then-candidate Biden said that Donald Trump does not have the authority to take us to war with Iran without congressional approval, that a president should never take this nation to war without this informed consent of the American people, General. But that's exactly what he's done here. 
Hypocrites. Well, Absolutely. what you have, Maria, is, you know, you hear you have all this projection going on from Biden about democracy and dictators and all. He acts like a dictator. He makes these kinds of decisions, assuming he's making these decisions. And and what you have is uh, a, a uh, executive branch that is really out of control. Uh, and and honestly, I, I really don't I, I really don't know that they have any clear vision in their coddling Iran. And it's all because of the globalist view that this administration Global. has. They're, they're uh, in bed with the United Nations, which has a very pro-extremist uh, uh, bent to it uh, when, when you uh, deal with this part of the world. And, you know, of course, you know, they support Hamas, for example, uh, the UN does. And, and, and not to mention, may, perhaps, uh, this, this administration. And so what you have is is a administration that's ceding its its vision to the United Nations and and for okay. naively believes that uh, Iran can can somehow come to the come to the table here. We need to deter Iran. Yeah. All right, General. Well, well see, that, that was some really good analysis. I wanted to play the whole thing. I, I don't really like to play somebody else's interview yeah. on my show, but. Uh, it was good, and uh, the thing is, is that he incorporated several things. He brought up Jamal Khashoggi and thrown salt in the eye of Saudi Arabia, and it always seems to be, you know, it's, it's it's interesting. The conservatives seem to gravitate towards Saudi Arabia, whether it was the Bushes or even the uh, or Trump, but Trump had a great relationship with actually all world leaders including Kim Jong-un, including President Xi, including Vladimir Putin. I mean, he was able to get along with all of these characters and uh, these, these leaders and uh, from all different stripes and, and, and also make peace in the Middle East. He withdrew from wars. He didn't get us into wars. Well, and that's what's going on right now is we're getting into wars. And I think that not enough has been made about this break in the chain of command. Because if you think about this, we have a president that many perceive as being out to lunch who was also on vacation. We have Lloyd, you know, we have the situation with Lloyd Austin being out of commission and nobody knowing about it for days. His uh, deputy, uh, Kathleen, uh, her, she's on vacation. The chief of staff, Kelly Matt. Maximin does it was sick didn't tell anybody I mean the, this is the Secretary of Defense and you know we, you know what are, you know what if we're in what three wars and we're in three wars I mean this is something that somebody has to do something about now people are talking about throwing uh, the uh, chief of staff Austin's chief of staff Kelly Maximin uh, you know under the bus but she's not the highest person here I mean so I think that there you know something needs to be done about this this well, is a huge gap this is a huge communication gap any security risk and if this and as everybody keeps saying if this had been trump you know you, you can you only imagine the media coverage of this and think about the blood and treasure that's been wasted on these stupid wars that were completely unavoidable right i mean completely avoidable right. we're in another avoidable. incident right now and we have a, a secretary well, of defense who's out of commission look how much money we're spending just to like uh, help Israel yeah. and uh, against Hamas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look how much money we're spending against the Palestinians and Hamas. And you know what's interesting about that is you have, oh my gosh, you have such a fissure within the Democrat Party itself. I have a clip from none other. You're not going to believe this. This is a first, folks. It's um, John Fetterman. <laughs> So did hell just freeze over? Yeah. So 
He's saying, oh, well, South Africa, who wants to kill all the white farmers in their country, right. is in The Hague right now prosecuting uh, an ac- allegation of a genocide against Israel at The Hague. And you got these warlords with like bones in their face, you know, like in their lip. Um Sitting there wanting Again, to kill. Again, you're not politically correct this morning. Second time, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, look, <laughs> they want to. They, they're, they're. I played audio clips about this. It's so atrocious, but they're killing off farmers and taking away their land, and they have the nerve to sit up there in the Hague and prosecute Israel for being too harsh on Hamas, who on October seventh went in. To a, a you know a, a festivity festival and slaughtered a whole bunch of innocent people. It was good that you mentioned the date because that just reminds everybody that this has now been going on for three months. Yeah, and how much money? So you you got Ukraine now. Ukraine, <laughs> Zelensky's like crying because he can't afford his crack. You know, I mean, he's a coke addict. Everybody knows that. Um, but he's got billions of dollars and he's buying yachts galore. Uh, they're thinking. They're thinking about uh, the idea. I've heard rumors that he's going to move to move to Florida. He's got mansions all over the country, or world. But let's take a listen to Fetterman now. So Fetterman's cracking down on this. You know, sit this one out. He's saying he's basically saying to South Africa, sit this one out. You you guys aren't the poster people for um, you know cracking down on genocide. Who are we? Who are they really fighting? It's a group of cowards. They hide in tunnels. Okay, so what he's talking about here, John Fetterman, he's basically saying, who is Israel fighting? They're fighting, they're fighting Hamas. Yeah. Okay, so this is kind of interesting. Let and him speak for himself, Scott. You, this moment isn't going to come again where you support no, no, John no, I'm Fetterman. Gonna, I'm, I'm going to play it again. Yeah, I'm going to play it again but, uh, because it's radio and sometimes people don't pick up on what the... <laughs> You know, here here we go. Who are we? Who are they really fighting? It's a group of cowards. They hide in tunnels. They hide behind civilians. They attack, kill, and mutilate children, women. And they do that? Stop talking about proportion on that. They shot their best shot on October 7th. And they would have taken more lives if they couldn't do that, but they couldn't do it. And now let's also talk about that. Now we're talking about genocide. And now South Africa now is now bringing that kind of a a trial. Maybe South Africa being able to sit this one out when they're talking about criticizing. (laughs) Okay, so that's quite quite interesting. We have a caller on the line. Just hang on just a second, though. Um, And uh, here's the thing about that is... You got, you know, Rashid Tlaib and a whole bunch of others yeah. uh, that are just completely like, you know, pro Hamas. Right. And then you got all these college students that are pro Hamas. Right. All the college yeah. students. But then you kind of got the Biden administration and Fetterman that are pro have to they kind of almost have to be pro Israel. So we have a caller coughing on the line. <laughs> uh, caller, you're on the uh, the air. Oh, I'm sorry about that. You should so, be. No, 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 just kidding. Just kidding. It's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm listening to you and, uh, you know, I think they got it. The whole, this whole monetary system is the problem that we have. 
I mean, if we had a if we had a monetary system in the United States that was run and backed by a commodity, you think all this shenanigans could even be possible to pull off? No, they couldn't afford it, and they they they'd have to they'd have to actually, you know, be on a budget. Like when you're on a budget. You can't say, oh, you know what? I think I want to blow up a, a you know, a submarine uh, while I'm at it. You know, I mean, it's like, no, you, you have to actually buy the eggs and milk first. Correct. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the, the government waste. I, I was just, I, do you ever watch a news station called the National Desk? New. No. Okay, you should, you, all your listeners should watch that it's, it's pretty conservative i mean it's really just basically the news of what's going on and the okay where, where how do we how do we get to there i don't know i watch i'm out here in utah what what network is it on hey it's on ksl out here it's kind of like history with channel two but it's called the national desk so they, they kind of report really on what's going on here in this country and all the the legitimate stuff that you know, okay. you're not going to see on the mainstream media. Like this morning, they had Rand Paul, you know, in his report for the government waste. And one of one of the things they spent, oh, I think it was three point seven million dollars. I mean, don't hold me to that number, but it was some astronomical amount in the millions to study how Russian cats behave or, or what they're sustainability is on a treadmill they weren't even american cats they were russian cats so i mean this is the stuff we're contributing to we're we're you know creating I mean, yeah I mean, no we get all, we get all that but we got to speed it up because we're, we got you yeah know. yeah i get it i get it just get it get it back to a commodity you know i mean this is this is how all this stuff is in these other countries they don't run like that you know i mean you got all these other, like Russia, it's all on commodities. The guy's 11 time zones over there. Right, He's got right. natural resources. It's, 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 right. That's the problem with this right. whole thing. Get back to the gold standard. That'll fix this whole problem. None of these bastards will have a damn hey, dime yeah. to spend. Yeah. All right. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Wow. We got a bunch of passionate uh, listeners out there. Well, that's there. what and we want, you know. So um, I'm still picking myself up off of the floor for you playing John Fetterman. But, you know, every now and then somebody, you know, you, you get uh, wisdom from the strangest of places. You know, I'm trying to think of the actress that was born in Braddock. Uh, there was an actress that, that I was just watching. Braddock where? Braddock, PA. Braddock, PA? Yeah. I'm trying to remember who it was. But, um, oh, you know who it was? Who? Twos from Love Boat. Oh yeah, Lauren. I just saw. I think her name is Tweez. It's actually it's actually pronounced Tweez. Lauren Tweez. Yeah, but she's from Braddock, PA. I did not know that. And I I I usually know a lot of that type of stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's I just saw that recently. Uh, That's crazy. Yeah. Anyway. Our listeners are rolling their eyes right now saying, (laughs) get back on track, Scott. (laughs) Um, Exciting and new. (laughs) All right. So Ro Khanna is a Democrat. Um, Oh, another Democrat. No, and I I met him. I did an event with him a few years ago, and I worked at American Conservative. So he's a a Democrat that Republicans feel that they can work with. I actually, he is my favorite Democrat, right? Uh, Ro Khanna. So... 
he writes this. He says, the president needs to come to Congress before launching a strike against the Houthis in Yemen and involving us in another Middle East conflict. <laughs> Yet another one. That is Article 1 of the Constitution. I will stand up for, the, uh, for that regardless of whether a Democrat or Republican is in the White House. Section 2C of the War Powers Act is clear. POTUS may only introduce the U.S. into hostilities after congressional authorization or in a national emergency when the U.S. is under imminent attack. Reporting is not a substitute. This is a retaliatory offensive strike. So Twitter, or X, on the other hand, says this is false <laughs> to Ro Khanna. He says, the, they say, the president has the legal power to use the armed forces in response to an attack on the armed forces. Houthis launched a missile attack against U.S. and U.K. ships. The congressional authorization for use of military force in 2001 is still in force. Wow. So that's kind of interesting. But uh, I think everyone knows that these conflicts, we, we're... we're we're getting into these conflicts everywhere you turn. Yeah. It's because our, and like I say, there's a big election yeah. on Saturday. Yeah. And that's Taiwan. Mm-hmm. And the State Department and John Kirby, you know, they're like, we want to make sure that those elections are fair and dem- full of democracy. Just like Ukraine is like the last thing you would ever think of when you think of democracy, right? So what are we really saving? What are we fighting for? Anyway, but um, nevertheless, you better believe, I have a feeling that, now the State Department may fail. They fail a lot. But if they had their way, the Democrats who are in charge always do it wrong. They always get it wrong. And they always mess it up. And they just need to stay out of the way and let nature take its course organically. Let the people decide. But they want to engineer and, and, and twist and, and manipulate and do psyops on people. And they want to be tricker, tri- play trickery. They don't want to talk about real policy or have real honest discussions about truth. All they want to do is just push this, this twisted agenda for whatever reason I don't even think they know anymore where they're going. Because what are you going to win at the end? What are you going to have at the end? Are you going to have an America that is great? Or are you going to have this, you know, you, you got your power because you opened up the borders and allowed every criminal on the face of the planet in your country. But, but okay, so you got your power. And everybody with means decides they're going to go ahead and leave the country and expatriate and just say, good, have at it. Nobody wants to live in inner city Detroit or Atlanta for that matter. That's not a popular destination. Nobody wants to live where the crime is. So they're going to move elsewhere. That's what the Democrats don't understand is that, you know, they're trying to actually get you poor enough to where you can't leave that you have to be under their thumb. And that's what Davos, which is right, right about now, happening. It's, it, it's happening. And that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to control your food, your energy, 
your your um, mobility and your money. That's all they want to do is control all those aspects of your life and then they control your speech, what comes out of your mouth. They're getting into that whole brainwave thing and then auto artificial intelligence thing and they want to actually redefine tr- what truth is and they want to actually get into your brain and manipulate uh, or interpret your thoughts. They, they, nothing is sacred. Not even a private moment. Vivek Ramaswamy and the media continues to lie to you. Vivek Ramaswamy says this. You know, he goes into this thing. The MSN spits in the face of the people every single day with ad, ad nauseum and flagrant lies. And you think the 2024 election is any different? Open your eyes and see the trap they're walking us into right now. So Russian collusion, the Hunter Biden laptop story, Charlottesville was complete, complete and total fabrication of what was real because someone lost their life. And and they, they wanted, again, Trump to say white supremacy, bad Antifa, good. You know, uh, it's ridiculous. You know, to, to, to look at it like that, the media is so stupid. Vivek put them in their place last week. We played those clips. Those audio clips. But Charlottesville, how about Bubba Wallace? Remember him? He said there was a noose hanging in the garage in NASCAR. Jesse Smollett, Juice Smollett, right? (laughs) Um, Covington Catholic Kids, Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping plot, COVID lab leak was a conspiracy theory, Steele dossier, don't say gay was in the bill, migrant kids in cages, Oh, yeah. Well, they said don't say gay was in the bill. That's the Florida bill. Right. And uh, it wasn't in the bill. So COVID lab leak was a conspiracy theory. Steele dossier. Don't say gay was in the bill. Okay, so I'm just repeating myself. Migrant kids in cages. No, those are Obama's cages. GA election, Georgia election, integrity was the new Jim Crow. Duke lacrosse kid. Remember when they tried to get some election integrity into Georgia and um, a bunch of multinational corporations owned by BlackRock or, you know, run by BlackRock uh, boycotted them? Yes, I remember. Duke lacrosse kids. Uh, That was another one. Zelensky is a uh, paragon of democracy. Lie. January 6th, peaceful Black Lives Matter riots. Ivermectin is a horse dewormer. Wrong. Trump used tear gas to clear a crowd for a Bible photo. No, that wasn't, that wasn't the, the case. He saved that church when he held up that Bible. The Episcopal Church and that female libtard who runs the place over there. She's the or bishop or something like that at that uh, uh, Episcopal Church across the way from the White House. So, was it St. John's, Leonor? Yes, that's it. It's that? St. John's. And, and um, it was going to burn to the ground, and Trump saved it. And she the, spit, the she spit in his face, basically. What's that? It's a yellow building. Okay, but yeah. <laughs> that's not good for radio either. People can't see color. Well, they can imagine color. <laughs> okay. <laughs> imagine. 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 Uh, what, do, what do the liberals say? Imagine. 
They use the word reimagine. Reimagine. That's yeah. a reimagine. So Trump's Fox News town hall <clears throat> crushed Haley DeSantis Iowa GOP debate in ratings by a whopping sixty eight percent. I love it. So here we go. Ratings for former President Donald Trump Wednesday night Fox News town hall in Iowa outpaced those. For the simultaneous CNN debate between former South Carolina Nikki Haley and, and DeSantis. Well, you know by that, 64%, according to data released Thursday. You know why that is, though? <clears throat> it's because Trump was seen as being, uh, embrace yourself, more measured. And then you'd go over to the other channel and they're yelling at each other. So that is, so that so that's a very interesting way to see things, and yeah, again, it, it, it begins to show you like what is the point of these debates when Trump is clearly so the that was Trump on Wednesday, right? But we're going to talk about Trump on, on Thursday. Thursday, right? So he went to court, and this is what uh, Elena Haba had to say. Let's take a listen to this clip. Good afternoon. This is right after the court proceedings in New York City, where Trump was. He was in Iowa on Wednesday, yeah. yeah, and then New York on Thursday. Let's remember that before I walked into court, we had already lost. That was clear with his motion for summary judgment. Before witnesses, <clears throat> before experts, and do I think any of it mattered? I certainly hope so, but for anybody that was been in the courtroom for the last 11 weeks, you heard that there was not one fact against President Trump. There was not one piece of paper that showed anyone committed fraud. And don't forget that Section 6312, a consumer fraud statute, has been wrongfully used against my client, innocent defendants, the organization, and every employee of the Trump Organization, which has single-handedly changed the New York skyline, including the building we are in today. These are special properties. Real estate is an art, not a science. But you know what else is an art? You know what else isn't a science? Political motivated individuals. She's using this to paint a canvas that Donald Trump is a fraudster because they can't beat him in the polls. They can't beat him in the polls, so she ran on Trump because that was the only way she could win. And now today, after 11 weeks, after three years, we have concluded that he indeed committed no wrong. The Trump Organization committed no wrong, and the kids have been dragged in just like the other defendants, and it is wrong. America needs to step up, and there's only one person who can do that, my client, Donald Trump. President Trump, everybody. Wow. And, powerful. Uh, yeah, that was powerful. She's, she's tough. And uh, so then Trump takes the, sta- takes the uh, mic, and uh, you got to hear this. It's unbelievable. Thank you very much. Yeah, we've gone through years with uh, this person. Uh, she's a political hack, the attorney general. Uh, the judge is obviously extremely friendly with the group. And we'll see uh, what happens. I think maybe he uh, may surprise people on a positive side. We'll have to see what happens exactly. But uh, we've proven this case so conclusively. Uh, we've asked for directed verdict many times. Uh, they don't have any facts. They don't have any evidence against us. Millions and millions of pages, years of litigation, and all politically motivated. She campaigned on a I will get Trump. If you've ever seen any of the uh, seen any of her clips, they're horrible clips. Actually, the anger she's got 
serious Trump derangement syndrome. There's no question about it. Letitia James, the corrupt attorney general of New York. So we've proven our case. There's not one witness against us other than one person who is a, a deranged. He's got a lot of problems. He's a man who's uh, been Michael convicted Cohen. of lying. Mm-hmm. He's a felon, convicted felon, and uh, not a good person. But that's their only witness, and he's now crashed and burned. They have no witnesses. And by the way, that witness took back everything that he said. He took back everything he said in court, took it all back. So they have no case. It's a shame that a thing like this is able to happen. Uh, Businesses leave New York. Uh, She went after Exxon, and they decided to move to Texas. And uh, hundreds of millions of dollars they pay in taxes. I paid over $300 million of taxes over the last number of years. $300 million. And uh, they don't recognize that. They don't recognize anything. So not think of it. Not one witness, millions of pages of document, years of this nonsense, and now it goes on. And one other factor, we won this, this case already in the Court of Appeals. The Court of Appeals voted in favor of us. But this judge has been very, very slow to accept that opinion because that's not the opinion that he wants. But we won in the Court of Appeals. That's the boss of this judge. He has to know that. And it was a conclusive victory, statute of limitations and other things. And that case has already been won. So that's the story. And I thought we'd come down to 40 Wall Street, which is a great building, and you'd get a chance to see one of the nicest buildings in New York and a convenient place. And I don't have to pay any rent because we have it, and it's been a very... <laughs> he owns the building. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> you know, there, he took questions and answers there, and uh, they were really great. Mm-hmm. It's just we don't have that much time, so we can't play it all. But um, I wanted to play this Don Jr. clip. Uh, now, this also is 21 minutes long, but he gave a great speech, and uh, it was very, like, candid. You know, it wasn't scripted in any way, shape, or form. We see uh, he shows up to Washington. They wonder why a crackhead is making millions from the Chinese government, uh, why the grandchildren are making money, the ex-girlfriend, the brother's widow that was also a girlfriend. Everyone's on the Chinese payroll. The brother's yet, widow is also a girlfriend. I'm the one that did 50 hours of testimony before Congress. I mean, you know, yeah, he shows up. He's, he's being terribly treated. I'm saying, wait a minute, I'm the guy that did 50 hours of testimony for treason, so we understand. Treason is a crime punishable by death. <laughs> Hunter can go there, <clears throat> nothing wrong. Why are you being mean to me? It's like a 40-year-old, 50-year-old baby, right? It's like, <laughs> I went because I'm a man. You show up, you deal with these things. I know it's nonsense, right? Russia, Russia, Russia was one of the largest lies ever perpetrated on the American public. And yet it was the gospel. There are those who still run with it as though it is such. And all of this stuff is designed to make sure that you guys lose faith in your country. And that's easy to do. But we actually have a chance to write that. The one good thing about the insanity that we've seen over the last few years is it's so ridiculous that people now get it. The lies, uh, the deceit, Uh, the obfuscation, everything. You know, those people who are working hard, and I get it, man, like working hard to live their American dream, what hasn't been exported to China, what hasn't been sent abroad, what hasn't been totally destroyed. 
couple minutes a day, they're listening in the background. Well, there must be some truth to that, right? I would say, like, is that true or did you see it on CNN? Like, because they're two very different things. And that's a lot of what we're dealing with right now in this primary. Uh, you saw, it was sort of amazing, right? The hot mic moment yesterday with Chris Christie. Ron DeSantis called him to thank him. Like, wait a minute, you, so you thank a neocon design basically put in there to go after the America First move? Now, I want to comment on that, too. And we're going to, that clip is available on YouTube uh, under Golden State Times, breaking Donald Trump Jr. explosive speech in Urbandale, Iowa. So you may want to check that out. It's a 21-minute speech, and oh, it was unbelievably great. But, you know, um, people were talking about Ron DeSantis stepping down uh, after Iowa. Okay. Well, that will be interesting. And uh, it's a foregone conclusion, that, and it would be a huge mistake if he didn't. But he's going to, obviously, he's going to endorse the winner, the projected winner, which is going to be Trump. You right? know what's bizarre about that? And I just thought about it. I'll say this real quickly. If he steps down, then the uh, the other two candidates besides uh, Trump would be Indian, which is interesting, you know, from a yeah, demographic standpoint. I mean, well, it's I a never, big population. Well, no, I know it's a big population, yeah. but it's a, you know, it's oh, an interesting and, factor to yeah. have two Indian American and, and candidates. To, and to keep up with my political correctness, it's dot not feathers. Yes, yes. Well, you can say that because you actually are feathers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, in any case, dot not feathers. India, from India. Yeah, we, 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 the, the, our, our listeners don't need that explained to them. Oh, okay. All right. Um, no, no, no. So so here's the thing. Um, we're going to cut to uh, what you want to talk about today as well. But um, we got just a few minutes to, to, to left. But uh, uh, so... So that's going to be interesting for DeSantis, and then DeSantis is going to go back to Florida, mm -hmm. and then Nikki Haley is going to drop out, and then all these criminal indictments and all these civil indictments or whatever they are are, are going to have to take a back seat because now you've got a nomination for a political party, Yeah. right? I mean, so, you know, and then the Supreme Court's going to weigh in uh, in February uh, with respect to taking Trump off the ballot. That's going to be next. You know, and Trump's going to be surging in the polls, especially after you start to see that people can't deny the fact that there's wars everywhere now. Mm. So what's going on in your neck of the woods? All right. I've got two things I want to talk about. First, I want to talk about what happened in France this week. Uh, Macron named a new prime minister. Elisabeth Bourne is no longer the prime minister. The current prime minister is Gabriel Attal, who was most recently the minister of education. He is only 34 years old, but he is a longtime Macron or you say close person who's close to him and has been you know been with him a while and what's interesting about him is he's openly gay and but he is seen as being very hard line on uh, education being very hard line on you know getting rid of the wokeism etc and uh, you know the other people in the cabinet are experienced people and there's a perception that France is moving more towards the right and then one little interesting tidbit uh, Macron, so it was Macron who made this selection because the president picks a number of members of the cabinet. He chose uh, Atal's former partner as uh, the min as a foreign minister. So 
Somebody who was re- previously romantically involved with Atal was chosen by Macron to be the foreign minister, Stéphane Sejourné. And, uh, but but Atal has said he is no longer in any type of a relationship. So there's no, um, you know, there's no bias. But, but that's an interesting little tidbit. So the other thing I wanted to mention is uh, in our, a couple of articles I'm working on, which will come out soon. I am doing a book review of Connecticut in the movies from Dream Houses to Dark Suburbia. And this book is written by the actress and film historian Ileana Douglas, who was in movies like Grace of My Heart, um, you know, uh, To Die For. In fact, she got nominated for um, a Critics Award for that. And she's also the granddaughter of the actor Melvin Douglas. So it's a very interesting book about the changing images of Connecticut on the screen. Like you see Mr. Blanding's dream house where people want to move to Connecticut because it represents upward mobility. And that to some to films like The Man in the Gray Flannel Suit, where living in Westport, Connecticut, it, it becomes a place where you sit there and, you know, have existential crises and you, you know, think about the internal struggle between family and career. And, and even though that movie and that book were written in, in the 50s, you, you watch it and you feel like it's still incredibly relevant, except now it's not just men in gray flannel suits. It's women wearing proverbial gray flannel suits as well. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's it's very interesting. So the book is filled with so much data. It was very hard for me to pick the uh, the movies I wanted to discuss but i picked a representative sampling that i believe show this evolution and and there's some fun movies in it too like i have christmas in connecticut so it's not all you know doom and gloom but it but it's very interesting and she's written a very unique book and she's also um a connecticut resident and she lived she went around and physically looked at places interviewed people took photographs so she's very ingrained in it as well so it, it's, it's definitely wow. worth the book is worth the read as is my article which all will right. be out a few how days. can they read your article they go to spectator.org and look for leonora Cravota. Okay, sounds great. Uh, I have two clips I want to play real quick before we head out of Dodge. Here's the first. uh, Okay, so this is going to be Peter Ducey asking Jean-Pierre about closing the high school to make way for immigrants. In New York, it's having remote classes today because the building was needed to house people who came into this country illegally. So what is the president's priority in this case? Is it the migrants or is it the students? So let me just uh, just clear this up a little bit. Um, so yesterday, New York City informed us that as a precaution, uh, they would temporarily relocate migrants staying at Floyd Bennett Field to a nearby high school. As of this morning, all migrants have returned to the facility at Floyd Bennett Field. And so anything specific as to the program and what decided to do and all of the specifics to that, I would certainly refer you to New York City. Uh, yeah, so she doesn't answer the question. Anyway, hey, uh, we had some technical trouble today, but I want to thank everybody for tuning in to The Scott Adams Show. Be sure to check out magapac.org, magapac.org, to find out how we're advancing America First policies to make America great again. Also, uh, make a donation if you can to help keep The Scott Adams Show commercial-free. Also, um, use Red State over at mypillow.com. And with that, my name's Scott Adams. My name is Leonor Cravetta. And we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody.